Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that Mary and Joseph had to endure many difficulties surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord? Sometimes, when the Lord is using us for His purposes, He allows us to go through various trials and difficulties. Although these are unpleasant at the time, they serve to draw us closer to Jesus. Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 1 and look at the incredible character of Mary and Joseph, the earthly mother and stepfather of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a beautiful Friday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully all are just rocking in Jesus, just spending time with Jesus, Lauren, just uh, just studying your Bible. Um, I mean, it's just, it is just, just, it's so exciting to study the Bible. I mean, you just get to, I mean, this Bible right here is just, uh, it's exciting. It really is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's, uh, you know, it's the son of God and the word of God, Peyton. That's what we always say, right? The son of God, Jesus Christ, and the word of God, the word of God and the son of God. In Jesus and by the word of God, we have, we have relationship with the triune God, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. We have relationship with each of them. And uh, I mean, that's just, just nothing better than that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So Merry Christmas. We got Christmas coming in what, you know, um, a few weeks. And so we're going to we're going to we're going to get into some Christmas teachings now just about the birth of Jesus. I mean, I mean, thank you, Lord. All right. Father, we thank you for your favor, your mercy, and your goodness, and your love in our lives. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that we have a Bible, and that we just get to study our Bible, Father. I mean, there's just nothing better. But above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, living your life for us, dying a torturous death for us on our behalf and in our place. And Lord, we just worship you and thank you that you are alive and risen today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open the scriptures in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Hopefully y'all are, are doing well. We had a, a water heater go out in our house. I'm telling everybody my wife broke the house, but uh, I have a, a close brother in Christ. My brother Jesse's very handy at just about everything. And, uh, you know, you know, him and I have been working on this for the last two days. Looks like we're winding that up and that's exciting. Well, he's been working on it. I'm kind of a, an assistant that goes and grabs stuff help him carry it because it was an upstairs water heater, but uh, not a fun thing, but uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that we even have water heaters. They did not have no water heater in Jesus' day, Stephen. They didn't have no water heater. I, they would have had to like boil water with a pot or something, right? We're just so blessed that the Lord allows us to live in, in the time we do where we actually have like a tank 
that's got connections, gas connections, that water comes through. And when it comes out of the shower, it come down nice and warm. So get us all showered up. Thank you, Lord. All right. Today we're going to do Matthew 1 verses 18 to 25. It's just an exciting story. Um, in the book of Matthew, the first, you know, you know, the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And here in Matthew 1, we have uh, just the story of the birth of Jesus. Um, you know, but Matthew gives us a unique account of it. Just uh, a very interesting account that uh, we're just very blessed to have. And there's just so much in here, Matthew. So this is good stuff. So Matthew 1 verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. All right. <laughs> Matthew 1.18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. There were, uh, in Jesus's day, there were three stages to the process. You could, you could agree to be married to someone, Right. You could even do that as children. But then the next stage is where it says here where you pledged to be married. It would be like what we called an engagement, um, but it would carry a much, a much firmer. A much more binding agreement, um, meaning they are pledged to be married now and to break it off would require a certificate of divorce. And so this pledging to be married is an absolute commitment. It's, it's as if you are married, but you have not yet gone to the final stage of marriage and then consummating the marriage with sexual intimacy. But um, they were pledged to be married. There was an agreement. There was a contract to be married. Um, and, it, and it says that it's interesting that Matthew tells us that they were pledged to be married to Joseph. And he says, but before they came together, so they had not been married. They had not consummated the marriage with sexual intimacy. Before they came to be married, 
she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Wow. Um, so the, 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 one of the most famous stories in the history of the world, right? The, uh, the, the, the Virgin Mary conceiving a child and still being a virgin has never happened in human history except this time. Every other woman who has conceived a child, right, was, was no longer a virgin. But Mary, it says, was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, that made Mary pregnant, right? How did he do it? He simply thought it. Remember, we have a triune God, three separate beings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit simply willed it, thought it, and she was pregnant with the Son of God, right? And again, why is he called the Son of God? It's because God, the Holy Spirit, was his Father, right? Um and God the Father was his heavenly Father, and the Spirit of the Father, the Holy Spirit, was the one that made Mary pregnant. So because of that, he is the Son of God, because God the Father, by the Holy Spirit, is his actual Father. You know, um, All of us that are Christians, that are genuine Christians, God the Father is our is our spiritual father is our heavenly father our spiritual father but he's he's not our human father right he's we all had human fathers that when they came together with our mother and our mother was made pregnant by you know our human father and so we all have natural fathers but God the Father is our heavenly Father, our spiritual Father, in and through Jesus Christ. That's not the case with Jesus. Um, Jesus, God the Father, was his spiritual Father as he walked the earth and his natural Father. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of exciting, right? So it's interesting it says, you know, that Mary was was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And obviously, <clears throat> this privilege, Mary is one of the most godly people that we see in all the scriptures. Um, and because of her incredible devotion, because of her obedience to, to the word of God, she is chosen to be the mother of the Savior, the natural mother of the Savior, okay? Um, she's obviously not his spiritual mother, right? Um, he is God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. And Mary was chosen to be the woman to give birth to the savior of the world. It's a, 
it's a privilege beyond comprehension. But as is often the case, that the more we grow in Jesus Christ as Christians, the more we walk with him and the more revelation we have with him, often trials and difficulties can come with that. You know, Mary's a young woman. She could be 14, 15, 16 years old. And, you know, she's she has a contract to be married to Joseph. The angel has appeared to her and told her that she's going to have a son. And it says in verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Try to understand how potentially embarrassing and devastating and humiliating this would be. I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 22 that says, I think verse 3 and 4, that says that, that if, if a woman was unfaithful, that she would be stoned and killed. Um, Mary was not unfaithful, but here she is pregnant. It's clear now that in whatever manner this happened, uh, she was found to be with child. So I don't know if that, if that was morning sickness. I don't know if she's showing. Um, but whatever the ways that people find out that a lady is pregnant, I don't assume it's changed. Um, I mean, they didn't have no ultrasounds or anything like that or, or, or pregnancy tests, obviously. But whatever happens, and I'm not, it's not my lane, what, what happens in, in a woman's body when she's pregnant, this, was, this had happened with Mary. And, <laughs> uh, you know, one scholar made the point, there was no chance of a miscarriage with Jesus, right? Uh, this, this baby was going to come full term. So what's interesting about verse 19, it says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So you notice the, that the pledge, the engagement in those days required a certificate of divorce to break it off. But we want to ask ourselves the question. So when we look into the scriptures and we do expository teaching as we're doing, why would Joseph divorce her? Is it not likely, doesn't say it here one way or the other, but is it not likely that when she was found to be with child, that Mary certainly would have understood how it would have looked it would have looked as if she was unfaithful. It would have appeared that she was made pregnant by some man somewhere, of course, right? Uh, and that's how it's always been. I don't know. I don't know how many women in today's day and age, in the last two thousand years, have tried to use this same reasoning Mary did. But it's only true with Mary, right? 
I mean, uh, you know, just imagine today that, that, you know, that a man and women are engaged and everything's going well and the woman is pregnant and and it's her, it wasn't her fiance that made her pregnant. You know what I mean? It would it would just it would be devastating. It would be hurtful. It would be very hard to deal with because, you know, certainly the the lady would have been unfaithful. But in the case with Mary, she she had not been unfaithful to Joseph. And and it is very probable, right? It's almost certain that she would have told him. Right? I mean, he obviously, and she would have understood that Joseph is, would have been devastated. He would have felt completely betrayed that, that the woman he loves with all his heart has been unfaithful to him in the time of the engagement. It, it would have been utterly devastating. So it's almost, I believe it's almost certain that Mary would have told him and that it was just too much for him to believe. It was just too hard for him to believe. It was too fantastic fantastical, right? I mean, I, I mean, she tries to explain to him that an angel named Gabriel came to me and told me that I would conceive the savior of the world, the promised Messiah that's going to come from the line of David, the Messiah we've all been waiting for. All of us can recognize how that would be almost impossible to believe for Joseph, but he, but she probably does tell him and he probably doesn't believe her. And again, all of us can understand that, right? It says, because Joseph, her husband, verse 19, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So what Joseph was going to do was he was going to he was going to if he if he exposed her publicly, as we said, Deuteronomy twenty two said that she should be stoned, she should be killed. So when we look into the character of Joseph here, it's uh, it's something for all of us to emulate, and very few of us have anything like this. The vast majority of us as Christians are very immature. When we're mistreated, we're very angry, we're very bitter, um, all of us, myself. I mean, we the, to have this character of Joseph, when you look at this, you could see why this man was chosen to be the stepfather of Jesus. Again, a privilege beyond understanding. Can you imagine how hurt he is, how devastated he is? how angry he is. He has been betrayed by the woman of his dreams, by his soon-to-be wife, and she's telling him this story that, Joe, I know this don't look good, right? But this would happen. An angel came to me, and his name was Gabriel. He told me his name. And he said that, that I was going to have a baby, and that that baby would be the savior of the whole world. The Messiah we've all been looking for in our Bible. That's what happened, Joe. Joe ain't having it. Now he's wrong. He should have believed her. Because I, I said, it doesn't say here, but all of us can, can understand that certainly she would have tried to explain it to him. Because otherwise, you know, if she doesn't explain it, what else could he think? 
But again, he doesn't believe her. But yet he, he's, he's not going to go have to tell everybody because her husband, Joseph, was a righteous man. Because he was a man who wanted to do what was right and even do right by her when he believed she had done wrong by him. How many of us, Lauren, want to do right by others that have done wrong by us? Again, it's, it's not something that we have, uh, it's not something we do well as Christians. Because her husband, Joseph, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Look at that word quietly, because when we've been betrayed, when we've been wronged, when we've been taken advantage of, when we've been ill-used and misused and betrayed, is that what we do? That we don't, we don't want to talk a lot about it. We just want to deal with it very quietly. We, want to, we don't want to tell anyone that's, that doesn't need to know. No, that's not how we are. Not at all, okay? Um, in, in the church today, we have, we have failed so badly in this, okay? Because as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as disciples of Jesus, this is kind of the kind of character we ought to have, but, but it's not. When we have been done wrong, we generally want to tell everybody that will listen. And we do want to expose that person to public disgrace, Anyone who had to listen will want to tell. Imagine if this happened. Are you the type of person that would want to glorify Jesus? And you know what? You're going to have to walk away from the engagement because you believe that, I mean, she's pregnant and you believe she's been unfaithful. But will you do it in as quiet a way possible? Because you still love this woman. You know she's pregnant. And Joseph is just going to step aside, walk off into the sunset and let Mary and whoever this guy is that's made her pregnant in his mind go on and have the baby and have a life together. Very, very few of us ever get to this level of character because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Father, we, we ask you to forgive us for we're not a righteous church. Lord, we want to develop and to have the character of righteous men and righteous women who have a lifestyle of thinking about what's right in every situation so we can do what's right for no other reason but because it's right. Father, I ask you to forgive us where we have failed in this. Forgive me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we just love you and thank you. Help us to be more like Joseph. Help us to be men and women that are more like Joseph, that have a lifestyle of doing what's right. Father, forgive us when when we have to, to speak negatively, when we have to share our negative experiences, when we have to gossip, forgive us, Father, and cleanse us of unrighteousness. You know, this, this sharing what's wrong is often strained through the conduit in our church, in the church today, in the world today. You know, there's this idea, well, I tell my spouse everything. That's unbiblical. The idea that you tell your spouse everything is unbiblical. 
Okay. There are, there are several different things your spouse ought not know. Okay. If you're a lady and you're ministering to another lady and she has very personal things going on in her life, very personal issues, and she wants to confide in you, it's not your husband's concern or business. Obviously, if you're a man and you're counseling and discipling other men and they have issues in their lives, right? And they're struggling with different aspects in life. It's not your wife's need to know their personal issues. It's not. If you have been mistreated, if you have been misspoken of, if you have not been treated well, say at work someone is gossiping about you or someone is mistreating you, we, we, we tend to have this need. And, and again, it's sinful, it's base, but we have this need to vent, right? That's what we call it. It's sin, but we have this need to come home and tell our wife, sometimes our children, sometimes the whole family can be there, and we will just talk about different people and what they've done wrong or how they failed or how they've wronged us or mistakes they've made. And we feel that we should tell it to our wife, which we shouldn't. We feel like it's okay if our children hear us. It's wrong and it's sin. And again, it's epidemic. It's, it's you know, we just have this, this, this debilitating, sinful need to share negativity, to share things that are out of line. Here, here's a good practice for us one and all. And, and, I, and, I, and I spoke about the husband-wife relationship particularly because that's where it's the biggest problem. That's where we have this issue where husband and wives, their conversation, if you looked at the average Christian couple, I'm not even talking about non-Christians now, and their conversation, you could have 30, 40, 50% of it talking each one sharing about what's wrong with situations in their life or other people in their life. There is certainly a time to share and to get wisdom and to get insight with a heart to glorify Jesus. But, but here's a new rule for us that, that really... If something negative happens to us, you know, and it's not earth shaking like I lost my job, right? It's just just everyday issues of uh, of people being unthoughtful or people being um, disrespectful. Let's see if we can work on not sharing that with anybody except Jesus. Let's see if we can start to be a little bit more like Joseph. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her. You see, when, when you tell anybody, even your spouse, about what someone has done wrong or how someone has mistreated you, when I tell my spouse, May, or May tells me we've exposed them now, right? And we do reap what we sow in this. None of us would want that, right? When we make mistakes, whatever it is, when we've done something wrong, 
We don't want people telling the whole world, right? You know, we don't want, you know, if we share with a pastor or with a uh, an elder or a brother and sister in Christ, some of the struggles that we're going through, you know, and we know them and their wife, we, we don't want them sharing it with their wife, right? I mean, some of these things are just very personal things. So again, wherever we learn this principle, it's not biblical Christianity. This this idea that I share everything with my wife or my kids, no, okay? It's certainly good to share. These are the things you share with your wife and your kids, the good things, the blessings. But here's a rule to follow. Here's a rule to follow for you and I to follow all the days of our life, that if you're going to share something with your wife or children that is going to make them think worse of a person that's going to make them think in a negative way about another person, don't share it. If I tell my wife about the things that people say to me or don't like about me or disagree with me or speak poorly of me, and I tell her that, automatically it's going to cause her to think less of that person, to be upset with that person, right? And that's a natural understanding. Because we love our spouses, we love our children, and you know, and so we automatically have this defensive thing. But when we share it, we're procuring that. And we're almost wanting them to be upset with the person for mistreating us. It's plain. Does this make sense? Okay. You know, we spend a lot of time on this because it is so, so important. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Quietly. Didn't need to tell everybody. Didn't need to tell anybody, really. Right? Again, this quality of being able to be loving to be quiet, to not be, you know, to not just, to not just, just have such a need to tell everybody how we've been wronged and who's wronged us and how they've wronged us and what they've done to us is a, uh, is a very high quality that we are in desperate need of. Mm. Again, Father, I, I ask you to help us. I mean, what would you do if this was you? You know, most of us would tell anyone who would listen, you know what that woman did to me? You know what she did? And then you know the story she told me. And, you know, we're going to see here and, you know, I'm not going to get through the rest of this today, but we're going to see here that. that because Joseph is like this, he is going to get a visitation and a revelation from an angel, right? Because if you look at verse 20, it says, but after he had considered this, we're going to get into this the next time, but after he had considered this, you see that in verse 20? But after he had considered this, you ever think why, 
Why couldn't this angel, look what it says, but after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and, he, and the angel's going to tell him, you know what, what's conceived in Mary is, you know, from the Holy Spirit. She hasn't been unfaithful. You ever wonder why, why the angel couldn't have come beforehand? Why, why couldn't the angel, like, showed up when they were having dinner together, you know, any of those hundred times, just showed up and talked to both of them? Why couldn't Gabriel have showed up and just met with them together and just showed up while they were having dinner and said, do not fear, Joseph and Mary, I am Gabriel. I've come to bring y'all some good news. Mary, you are going to conceive a child, okay? He's going to be the savior of the world. Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. That's all. That's all. But no. Can you imagine the utter trauma that's going through for Mary right now and for Joseph? The disappointing heartbreak for Mary that he doesn't believe her. That her that her her fiance and betrothed, who she loves, doesn't believe her, and the just the incredible betrayal that Joseph is feeling. He's going to do what's right. He doesn't want her hurt. Certainly doesn't want her killed, which is amazing because a lot of people would have wanted justice and vengeance, not Joseph. Don't you want to be more like Joseph? I do. But anyway, why does the Lord do it in this way? I mean, why can't, again, it just would have been so simple, Lord. It would have been so simple just for the angel to appear to both of them. Because if it happens, like the angel appeared to Mary alone. But if the angel appeared to Mary and Joseph together, we don't have any of this problem, any of this pain, any of this hurt, any of this consideration. Why does the Lord so often lead us down a track of seemingly unnecessary difficulty? And that's because he's pruning the character of Mary and Joseph. These are going to be the parents of Jesus, God the Son. God the Son, full-blown God, Jesus enters humanity, and these are the parents he picked, the earthly parents, okay? Um, it's, it's a privilege beyond understanding. We all love our kids, right, Jesse? Our kids are amazing, right? We just, we just love them. Miss Victoria is the most amazing child in the world, but she's not Jesus, right? That's a privilege a million times higher. Right. And so when the Lord uses us for his purposes, seemingly difficulty and struggle and pain and hardship is almost always a, uh, a part of it. Mm. <sighs> yeah. You know, it, it says that he was a righteous man, and we explained this last time, but 
Where are we here? It's, it's important to understand what this means, righteous. When it was talking about righteous here, it's talking about Joseph had a lifestyle of righteousness. He had a lifestyle of doing what was right. Um, there are three types of righteousness in the Bible. Self-righteousness, imputed righteousness, and lifestyle righteousness. The first two are related to salvation. The third one is not related to salvation. Lifestyle righteousness is not related to your salvation because there's nothing you do in life that helps to save you. There's nothing that you do that helps get you to heaven. There's nothing you can do to have any of your sins forgiven. We come into relationship with Jesus Christ and God our Father as our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit by trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. When we do that, when we put our faith and trust and confidence and reliance totally in Jesus, asking him to come and be the Lord of our life, knowing our desperate need of him, knowing that we're hopeless and helpless without him, out of that heart, we humble ourselves before Jesus. And Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Out of that, in that place of humility and desperation, we call out to Jesus, genuinely trusting in him to be the Lord of our life, genuinely trusting in him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. When we do that, this incredible exchange happens. The perfect, righteous life that Jesus lived on earth is credited to you and to me imputed to us, which means credited to us or our account, and all of our sin, past, present, and future sin, is credited to Jesus at the cross. That incredible exchange, it's, it's, it's unthinkable, it's so wonderful, right? That incredible exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. That's imputed righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus Christ that's credited to me at salvation in exchange for all of my sin, past, present, and future credited to him. Self-righteousness is when I'm trying to be made right with God by myself and by what I do and by my own efforts. The Bible says this will never succeed. There's nothing I can do in myself to get to heaven. Uh, I'm hopeless. I'm in a place where I can only rely and trust on Jesus Christ alone. It's my only hope. The third kind of righteousness is lifestyle righteousness, which is after you've received the righteousness of Christ, after you've been saved from your sin, then you live a life of increasing righteousness. You live in a way where you more and more and more and more want to do what's right and not do what's wrong, right? Because her, her husband, Joseph, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to expose her quietly. We should never have a desire to expose someone because you wouldn't want that to be to you, right? Um, you know, Jesus told us in Matthew 7, in the measure you use, it'll be measured to you, and that ought to cause us fear, right? Um. You know, our heart is just to love people, to forgive them and to, you know, and to, to lovingly turn them over to, to our, our heavenly father. So um, 
Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We just thank you, Lord, just for this uh, this incredible teaching and and Matthew, Lord, this incredible story, this this Christmas story, Father. We thank you just for we just thank you for the incredible blessings, Lord, that we learn from Mary and Joseph here, Lord, that just from just from two people that have such incredible godly character. Father, we ask you to help us to, to, to live our lives in a way that more reflects your, your mercy and your love and your goodness and your righteousness, even as Mary and Joseph did. Lord Jesus, we just worship you and thank you, Lord. We thank you that you entered this world and became a human man for us and gave your life for us. And we thank you that you're alive and risen. Holy Spirit, go ahead of us now, we pray. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.